Hey guys, this is Olivia. I just wanted to pop in here and let you know that we are going to be talking about some tough things today. We really dive deep into eating disorders, the different types of disorders, what happens, and the mental stress surrounding them. If you feel like you aren't in the space to listen because it would trigger some tough things, feel free to put this episode away until a later date, and we have so many other episodes for you to enjoy. Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. We have dignity just for being alive. Um, Like, we don't have to do anything in order to have worth other than exist. And it's almost like so controversial to say that because of how much comes against that lot like how many lies come against that in every area of our life and in everything like in culture and worldviews and all that and to realize that like our identity is birthed from our dignity so knowing that i have dignity and worth just by being a person Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. My name is Olivia. Um, I am the creator of Olivia Corinne, a blog, a podcast, and a free editing resource for all creatives. And not across from me today is Lisa Brosser. She is a wife. She's a mom. She's a creative. Um, And also, I have Presley in my lap and my dog trying to make his way into the conversation. Um, As you heard from the trigger warning earlier, uh, we were talking about some pretty deep things today. Uh, We're talking about about eating disorders and um, the ins and outs of what it was like for Mara, our guest, and for Lisa. Um, We just thought it would be appropriate to just get right into the show and get going and not have a time of being goofy and silly like we do. Um, And so we hope you guys really enjoy today's show and know that if any of you out there are struggling, um, Lisa and Mara both, I know, would be open books with you and would be a resource for you to reach out, um, to reach out to if you are struggling. So uh, on the the salt and pepper podcast we really like to try and talk about some uh really deep uh gritty dirty things that are really hard to talk about but we know that they're important so um let's just get right into the show Mara Oliveira is an artist, a wife, and a mom of two, almost three kids. Today on the show, we are talking about eating disorders and what it was like for Lisa and Mara to have eating disorders for a majority of their time growing up. We talk about the nitty-gritty of what that looked like for them and what you can do if you are struggling. We hope you find value in today's show and know that you are never alone in your deepest struggles. So Mara, let's shake it up, shall we? (laughs) All right, I am here with Lisa and Mara. Hi, Mara. Hello. Um, Hi. We typically start <laughs> off, I told Lisa I would start off like this, with a drink or something for a guest. And then she said that you said Diet Coke. And when she said the word Diet Coke, I could taste it in my mouth because I was addicted to it. <gasps> it's like my crack. Like actual addiction. <laughs> like actual addiction. I had, oh. to, had to like detox. So we, that's okay. So I yeah. drank, but it was <laughs> Diet Pepsi for me. Yeah. And I drank it every day, and Arturo was like, <sighs> can you stop drinking it? And then I just did, and I never looked back. But people say you don't want to drink it anymore, and I crave it every day. I love Diet Pepsi. It's so good. It's like a comfort drink for me. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So when she said Diet Coke, I'm like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if <laughs> I, I can be staring at that the that whole time. Me. Oh, I totally understand. <laughs> Need like yeah. an IV hooked up. Anytime I have popcorn, it has to go with Diet Coke. It's just like it's something I grew up doing. It is yeah. maybe going to the movies. 
Yeah, or just, I don't know, what my family ate for dinner. No. <laughs> oh, no. It's no. just brings me back. My mom yes. drank like 44 ounces of Diet Coke when she was pregnant oh, with my sister yeah. and oh, I. My family like, that's loves. why I'm addicted They're, to it. They don't oh, drink gosh. it anymore as much because they my knew mom it was had food, but v8 when she was pregnant with oh me, so i'm not addicted to that <laughs> no <laughs> uh i love diet coke anyway um <laughs> wow is that a sponsor for you no so anyway diet coke <laughs> we're sponsored. sponsored by um today we're talking about something a little bit more heavy that i actually don't have any personal connection with um so i'm going to be more of a sit back and ask questions but today we're talking about eating disorders um Lisa, did you want to kind of intro a little bit with your heart on this? Yeah, sure. Um, So I, even when you said, so we're going to be talking about eating disorders, I kind of laughed. And um, not because eating disorders are funny at all, but because we went from something so lighthearted and then we're like digging down into this really deep. (laughs) Yeah dirty place honestly um i myself have struggled with um an eating disorder uh so is mara um and so i just wanted to preface by saying that we might joke around and we might bring things back to lightheartedness because it is uncomfortable sometimes and um it's also something that although we might in ways deal with it it's also something that we have recovered from in many ways if I can speak for Mara um and so if it ever seems like we're coming off insensitively we're coming from a place of either maybe discomfort or we're just trying to keep things not too heavy because for ourselves it is a really difficult thing to talk about and um (laughs) Mara and I are both pregnant and so if we start (laughs) crying we'll try to edit it out but it also might be difficult to um edit out crying talking (laughs) which I do very awfully yeah we don't need to edit anything out (laughs) It's, it's the real um Thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, so, Mara, do you want to share with us a little bit of your story and everything with this topic? <laughs> um, and who yeah. you are. And, who, and yeah. who you are and what you do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, um, yes. I, As Lisa said, I am pregnant right now. You can't see us, but we both have big bellies um, full of babies. I have two kids. Um a four-year-old and a almost two-year-old and I am an artist as well um and enough about that no I'm just kidding <laughs> um to go into my story I guess um to, to keep it about the eating disorder I um I think for me it started when I was maybe like 13 even though it wasn't manifesting itself with the eating yet but the (coughs) the seeds were being planted I think as young as that or probably earlier because of all the stuff we hear you know in the culture towards body image negative body image um and even just as a kid like being told like someone was fat or skinny like those kinds of descriptions just get in your head and just the way that kids talk about that which I find very sad Um, but it didn't like start manifesting itself in like the compulsion or, you know, the disorder, um, until I was 16 and I had started dabbling in like modeling and 
there's a lot of I guess I don't know you're constantly like exposing your body in that and feeling like you needed to measure up to a certain standard and so I became obsessed with that um and then it was something that I didn't realize was like an eating disorder until a few years later but um it did basically begin to control my life control everything um it was what I thought about 24-7. It was an obsession. It was super unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we already decided we weren't going to go into, like, details about... Not super detailed. Yeah, right. about, like, what we did or numbers or whatever. But um, it was just constant obsession. That's how I'll put it. Um, well, you could talk about what, what your day looked like. Yeah, I mean, it started slow. I think for a lot of girls it's like this they they start to maybe like diet and then it sort of becomes like an addiction to that control factor and Mm -hmm. like the um, maybe the results you might see or don't see so you like push yourself more um and it started like slowly like I'm gonna do this diet and then it just gets more extreme as you go um and like eventually you're at the point where every single food basically is like an off-limits food you know what I mean where I at first was like okay I'm just gonna cut out like greasy food and sugar and carbs and then it gets more and more and like well apples have carbs you know and sugar blah 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 so you start cutting out those things and then it becomes like there's nothing left to eat basically um and so what was really interesting is that so I struggled with the like um the extreme dieting side of the eating disorder for a while but then it it flipped and this is kind of actually more shameful for me to talk about weirdly enough but it like went into like um a binge eating disorder where like once you force yourself not to eat for so long eventually when you do start eating there's like shame for eating like you feel ashamed for putting the food in your mouth but yet you're no longer like controlling yourself in that way for some reason. I don't understand the psychology of it. Like I wish I could explain why. Um, but that was the hardest part. Like the the um, the starvation side of things wasn't as long of a battle as like dealing with just the out of order eating. Like that was still controlling my life, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's hard for me to talk about it because it's kind of like it is embarrassing because I guess there's so much shame involved with it. It was like, that's ridiculous. Like, I was feeling ashamed for just like eating dinner. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, But then it would trigger you to like go like emotionally binge. And I think it was like a subconscious thing as well because your body is like, I was starved and now I need to eat, Mm -hmm. you know? And so... um, yeah so that was like a really long journey for me and I think that it's important to bring that up because I think disorder like eating disorders are as different as like the people who have them mm-hmm. and they're not just you know anorexia not just bulimia not just this but like they are complex mm-hmm. and they go through phases and they <coughs> you know they're a journey that we're on to break through from them but yeah mm-hmm. I have a couple questions. Yes, please ask questions. So, again, coming from, like, 
like a third party of not yes. understanding um because you know i i have a personal connection with somebody with an eating disorder mm-hmm. and at such a young age i don't think i even knew like at 13 like you said i don't think i even knew what that was and that could be because i was homeschooled and i wasn't around that um but my question for you is when you started that I don't like the word journey, but the cycle, um, Mm -hmm. were you being like affirmed by people in your life? Like, wow, you're looking so skinny or you're looking Mm -hmm. so good. And did that propel you into continuing to, to starve yourself or how was that for you? Like, why did it get worse and worse and worse? Yeah, I think, well, definitely for me, it was the environment I was in, the modeling. Um, I don't, I just want to say, I don't blame anybody that I was involved with or that was in my right. life. Um, I think the eating disorders are like, their their causes are super complex. Like they say that there's a lot of reasons why we end up doing that. And, mm-hmm. and it can actually include like your genetics and it can include so many different things. Mm. It's a mental disorder. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it can be triggered by like trauma or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I think it's different for each person, but in my situation, yeah, I definitely had like the certain standard. Like I, <laughs> I needed to have like a certain measurement in, um, that field mm-hmm. in order to like, Succeed. you know, yeah. Be, yeah. um, accepted essentially. Totally. And, so that was my goal. That became my goal. Okay. So when I was, and when I was doing it with um, that in mind, like every time I got closer to the goal, and yeah, I was definitely affirmed like, hey, good job. And they didn't, it's not like anyone encouraged me to have an eating disorder. They were never totally. like, you need to start yourself. It just became like something that was like It's accepted, me. I think, too. And that, I think if people don't even say it, I yeah. think that it's accepted. Because I know you're not blaming people. Yeah. But I mean, there's some huge issues Again, with that industry. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And two, it's it's not always like, it doesn't always look like someone who's just severely anorexic. Like totally. someone who can, could have an eating disorder. It's a relationship with food. Yeah. It's essentially like an yeah. out of order relationship with food that's, you know, causing you to eat in a way that's not normal. Um, and I know define normal eating, but you know, like that's not healthy. That's causing you like a detriment to your health. Mm -hmm. I think that the worst thing, um, that I've, I've heard from an outsider to someone with an eating disorder, which was my friend, um, was that when she was coming to the acceptance that she had an eating disorder, she was starting to share it with people out of. Um, like I'm finally coming out of it and I'm sharing it with people so that I have accountability and so it was in a in a group of girls and um, luckily she was already on the journey out of it and one of the people said but you don't even look like you had an eating disorder and she completely understood her heart. That's so hurtful. It is so hurtful. And um, I just want to say that because there are right and wrong things to say to people who mm. have or had gone through an eating disorder. Like, but you're so skinny. You're so beautiful. Right. It's like, I understand what <coughs> you mean. Because that's actually what my parents' response was when mm-hmm. I told them. Um, I already knew their reaction wasn't going to be anything of acceptance. 
unfortunately because they came from a completely different culture that just had to think about the necessary things in life like putting food on the table or mm. escaping from communist Romania um, so things just luckily things. No <laughs> you know? not that no one struggled with an eating disorder in Romania but um, it really wasn't common and I luckily live a life of privilege in America and um, unfortunately, my weakness was thinking about how I looked and comparing myself to other people. Um, and so I'll go with my story. Um, it sounds pretty similar to yours. Um, I know I started seeing it manifest itself when I was 13. Mm -hmm. I had actually just quit gymnastics. Um, I wasn't really good anyways, and that's why I quit. And I was getting a lot of back problems, but that's also around the time you start puberty, right? Mm -hmm. And so you start to see your body fill out, and so I was getting boobs, and um, you know, the lovely love handles of mine came out, <laughs> which we talk about, um, just little things like body fat in general. I had a six pack in gymnastics and never before had I thought about my body and like, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. Even in the gymnastics world, it's huge to compare yourself. But at that age, I didn't have time to compare myself. It was almost like you, Olivia, like I just never thought of it, but it's interesting because when you think of it as a mental disorder, I started to realize that when I was in gymnastics, I had really, really bad OCD. Mm. And so it was very obsessive about making sure I put put on my leotard right foot before my left foot, or um, as I, I do this sequence that I use this many um, steps before I tumble or whatever it was. And so I think that it, my eating disorder manifested itself out of my need for control over something. And so I, as I saw my body changing in a way that I couldn't control, no matter what I did before I didn't have to think about what I was eating and how it was going to affect my body. I was working out whatever, 15 hours a week (laughs) as a child. Um, I was now having to think about the fact that, Oh, cereal is like bad for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you shouldn't be eating cereal as dinner every single night, which was normal for me. Um, But as a gymnast, like it doesn't matter. And you're not even eating that much because you get out of school and then you have to go straight to gymnastics. You just like eat a half a croissant really quickly and then you go to class. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as I went into high school, um, I started, I think, uh, mentally understanding what was going on a little bit more that I was comparing myself to other people more. Um, I never really thought I had an eating disorder though, because it's, I, I wasn't anorexic. I was still eating. Mm -hmm. I wasn't bulimic. Um, although I actually had tried in middle school and I stopped because someone found me and my friend trying to do it. And I was really embarrassed. Yeah. And then, um, um, or that's, yeah. So I was, binging mm-hmm. every so often but not to the point where it's a I didn't think it was a disorder yeah and so uh what me and Mara have actually talked about is it's called EDNOS and um 
from what I believe, it's eating disorder not otherwise specified. And so it's not, quote unquote, one of the big three. Um, And so when I finally realized I had an eating disorder, it was actually because I met up with a friend uh, who wasn't a friend yet. It was kind of crazy, but we had met at a party. Um, Someone was actually making fun of me and (coughs) I was laughing it off and I ended up like running away from everyone when no one was watching and I was crying and she realized it and she asked to get lunch it was just so random but I add this because I believe that there is a God and so this is kind of part of my story of coming out of it as well and so anyways she had just realized when we met up for lunch that she had an eating disorder she was explaining it to me and she was like I just told my family and I've known that I've had it for a year now I don't know why it's so easy for me to tell you and the whole time she's Hmm. explaining it to me I realized oh my gosh I have an eating disorder oh my gosh I have an eating disorder and so we're crying and it was exactly the same it was so crazy and so as she's describing it I I told her, I was like, hey, I think it's so easy for you to tell me because we were meant to meet and get through this together. So super long story short, two years later, she doesn't have an eating disorder anymore. And so by that point, um, I was still struggling with mine. And um, about a year after that, I could completely say I did not anymore have my eating disorder and there was no way to say really what it was other than the fact that we prayed for each other and that we were just there for Mm -hmm. each other and that we had accountability and whenever we felt awful about ourselves or a situation or we just hated ourselves genuinely hated ourselves that we would just tell each other honestly and we would say don't try to encourage me just you need to know that and well the other person would be like okay well I'm I'm just praying for you and it's like I don't even want to hear that at times I don't even want to hear that there's someone there for me I almost just want to like soak in this and hate myself Mm -hmm. (sighs) I totally get it (laughs) (laughs) so um for for me and not understanding I know that there's anorexia and I know that there's bulimia and I know you don't eat or you throw up your food. What? Right. Just being real. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have either of those, how was that manifested for you? Like, were you losing a ton of weight? Were you at an unhealthy weight? Were you, what was it? Constantly thinking about it or? The craziest thing is that when I had my eating disorder, it's when you couldn't tell. Um, it was when I was at a weight that I felt like I couldn't control. And so that was, my eating disorder was a way to control it. And so when I didn't have an eating disorder, it was actually when I was in a really bad relationship and I wasn't eating because there wasn't any trust between the two of us and um, I had been cheated on. And so my way of coping with it was not eating. And um, I didn't even know at this point that I had even had an eating disorder in the past. And so even if there were remnants of belief that I had one, I'm like, well, I definitely don't now. Like I love my body and I was really thin. So maybe that's Mm -hmm. why I'm sure that's part of the mental aspect. But to describe 
what I went through without going into too much depth was within the first 30 seconds, I kid you not, 30 seconds, you know what your entire day is going to look like. You know what you're going to eat, how much you're going to eat, how many calories are in everything, how much you're going to be working out. Are you going to be walking around? Are you going to be running errands? Mm -hmm. How much weight are you going to be losing during that point? Are you going to be able to work out later that night? If not, do I just work out right now? And then there's also the regret. Mm. Okay, well, what did I eat yesterday? Mm -hmm. Well, you don't even have to think about it because you've been thinking about it all night. So I'm just going to eat an apple today. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then you're thinking about, so I'm going to overcompensate by (laughs) overworking out today so I can lose all the calories from Mm -hmm. yesterday. I think that's the best way to describe. That sounds exhausting. Did Yeah, it is. It is exactly exhausting. Did other things in your life like slip like homework or schooling or relationships because your mentality was always on eating and stuff I was constantly comparing myself in a way that I don't think I could have good friendships I don't think I was a really good friend during this time through all of high school because I was so selfish Mm -hmm. and thinking about myself yeah I I feel like um I'm naturally a closed off person to people anyway (laughs) or especially in high school I was really untrusting even though I had a lot of shallow friendships so but for me I just got very busy Mm -hmm. and it helped the whole process because I was super busy I didn't have to think about food if I stayed busy so if I had a lot of activities going on I knew okay I'm gonna be working um or I'm gonna be doing school during this time which you know and I barely ate anything at all during that time and then um after school we're gonna have practice so I'll be doing that for until whatever six or whatever and then I'd go home and we had a treadmill at home so then I'd get on that and like that might be where I did my homework but it literally was me being active or moving like all day long and um basically exactly like how you described at least like that was my thought process like all those things like I you just it's crazy (laughs) you start memorizing how many calories are in like the smallest morsel of foods and it's insane the amount of information you can you know the sugar content you know the fiber content you know how to subtract the two you know how many carbs in the actual calorie count everything like Mm -hmm. basically the nutrition facts of Mm -hmm. any food even ones that didn't have labels yeah (laughs) um and like I could literally list it out off the top of my head and I was probably more extreme you know I think we were probably harder on ourselves I think most people are harder on themselves when they list it out saying like well it's probably I'm gonna round up so it was probably this many calories mm-hmm. da, da, da. and then um and then yeah um basically just pouring 24 7 yourself into doing that I I also know that I already didn't have that much closeness with my family so I I don't even see how it really could have affected my family life to be completely honest um when I actually told a really close family member um they told me I'll get over it and it was hurtful and I said okay and in my brain I said I'm never gonna tell you anything ever again and I don't trust you and although maybe I will a lot of people don't because it sticks with you forever it's a mental disorder Mm -hmm. um 
<clears throat> it made me not trust anyone else. And so I thought if I couldn't tell a family member and for them to react in an encouraging way, then I don't know who I can tell. So I really cut myself off emotionally from a lot of people and I didn't know to what point was I oversharing or was I not sharing enough and to protect myself I just thought I'm not going to share anything at all about myself Mm. Um, and so it was after that that I knew I could only trust my friend at that point because I didn't know what else to do yeah I'm glad you found her your oh. one friend <laughs> yeah yeah um when i when we were like when you guys are talking like just everything is sparking up but um i was telling lisa a while back <clears throat> that i had listened to a podcast and they were saying that 50 percent of people with bulimia are alcoholics oh interesting and i thought that was so interesting because that yeah. has been true for me in my life with some mm-hmm. people and i always so when i was thinking about an eating disorder I was like, it's not about food. It's about an addiction. Yeah. And and obviously control. Um, And I feel like it can be so hard because if you're addicted to drugs, you can do drugs with other people. When you're addicted to Mm -hmm. alcohol, you can go out and drink and nobody says anything to you. I mean, you can freaking get blackout drunk every night and nowadays no one says anything to you. But with an eating disorder... Well, hopefully you have friends who would. Hopefully. (laughs) But but with an eating disorder, you don't just go have an eating disorder together. You know? Well, or do you? It is mainly solitary, but... Yeah, it thrives in secrecy, but if someone is keeping that secret with you, then it's almost... It's really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the online world, too. That makes sense. And friends who might have the same problem. Or maybe have the same issue with looking at themselves negatively. Well, you might trigger that in them. And like you like, thrive off of each yes, other. Yes, and then you that compare each sense. other, and there's mm-hmm. a competition there that that feeds it. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely was a part of. For me, there were a few people that fed it in competition. Mm. <laughs> wow. I mean, and knowing other models like that might have been why. And then having yeah. one of my best friends too went through one, and um, he, which he is a male. Um, he and I, I think secretly, we weren't competitive with each other because male and female, it was a little different, but um, definitely, it, it definitely encouraged mm-hmm. the wow. extreme dieting. Yeah. Yeah. So because crazy. at first you don't realize that you're setting out to have an eating disorder. You know totally. what I mean? So, you just but, think that you're helping each other out. Like, this yes. is my goal, so yeah. I'm helping you with your goal. <laughs> exactly. And that's how my family saw it too. They were like, oh, you're like, you're so dedicated to your goal of meeting these a certain standard to do modeling or whatever it's but it's like yeah but like so uh, they didn't not know. healthy they no. didn't yeah they, they don't didn't know, know the lengths that we're going through to achieve that yeah or what would what it would end up being for like 10 years you know mm-hmm. so wow yeah well, yeah I mean it's same with um well so many addictions but mm-hmm. I was also thinking about that and like how alcoholics can go to like AA or even mm-hmm. families of alcoholics can go to yeah. what is it Ad, Ad-Anon? um Ad- Al-Anon yeah. mm-hmm. um but is there a, a place for people with eating disorders that you can go to there are yeah, yeah. like um, meetings or my something my friend went to one and she stopped going because she didn't feel right when she went Mm -hmm. which can happen even at AA meetings it just doesn't feel like the place for you um and so it was really cool because she went because another friend encouraged her to go and so they both went together and she said it was just uncomfortable for her but I don't think 
that spoke for all people um, because there were people who went there all the time and she felt really out of place because it wasn't EDNOS and a lot of people Mm -hmm. there um, struggled with um, again quote unquote the main three right Um, which is what's the third so binge Binge bulimia anorexia so So binging binging, eating a ton and then yeah which doesn't necessarily result in throwing up yeah it's where you're eating constantly and you can't stop okay i know somebody who's like that um yeah so like and that's why i wish we talked more um about gluttony um in the world because it's a comfort food that itself is um a place where you find comfort from something that is not as a christian from the lord um, and so that's a really touchy mm-hmm. subject still. Um, it's yeah. not very different from having anorexia, though. No, it's not. Because like you were saying, Olivia, it is underlying like basically an addiction. And the way I put it for myself is was, and I still struggle with this in different ways, but um, basically it's like an addiction to proving my own dignity or my mm. own self-worth. And so at the time, that's what it would equate to. Is there saying, was still a dopamine response to not eating. Oh yeah, like a like, rewarding. Whoa, like I'm doing I feel it. I'm gonna so good. Yeah, right. I'm gonna prove that I'm worthy of acceptance or whatever yeah. it is. And I don't know why we're like that as humans. I mean, it's because ultimately our main goal in life is to be loved. Even if we have like loving parents, and though, accepted. it's just there's something. I don't yeah, know. Every human and I know it. not everyone struggles with that specific yeah, thing. Yeah, but it, it comes out in different ways because yeah. even in the past year, I've talked to people about it. Like. I'll go through times where I feel like if I don't show up in the perfect outfit with my makeup done that I right. won't have friends and yeah. I feel that deep I'll like, be your friend <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but it's weird when you have those thoughts because then people look at you and they're like what are you talking about that's so dumb and you're like yeah but I still think it yeah like, what do you yeah. mean okay it's dumb well I still think it you know so I think it manifests in different ways for right but it can obviously be really extreme for some people yeah what's actually really crazy is um and I keep saying I know a girl or I know a person obviously Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be using names at all um but I know a girl who struggled with an eating disorder and a heroin addiction and she actually said that it was harder getting over the eating disorder than the heroin addiction because there is a constant relationship with food and so when you are recovering from your eating disorder and for the rest of your life, I believe I I still technically, in the same way that alcoholics are alcoholics for the rest of their lives, I still have an eating disorder in a sense. Although I'm recovered, I'm not entirely recovered because there are times that I can see my old mental processes coming up and I physically have to tell myself, that is not true. Mm-hmm. I have to stop myself and say that is clearly a lie. That is not the truth. And if I can't see it, I have to tell my husband mm-hmm. or someone who I'm close with what's going on in my head because I know where it's going to go. I know it's going to make me not want to eat. And that has happened in the last few years. I would say I'm... um six years recovered now seven years um but it it comes up i mean during the pregnancy during this pregnancy today i i had (laughs) that's me not crying um (laughs) i had thoughts of well i'm not feeling good about myself or i hate this part but 
then you start to go back to your old ways of thinking because there are a lot of things that you can't take out of your brain, like the nutritional facts. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things I've forgotten, but not everything because I care about my health. Mm-hmm. And so I, I keep a lot of those things in my brain for my own physical well-being, but then I can use it against myself. And so that's where the eating disorder can come in so easily for myself because I'll tell myself, well, maybe if I just eat less today or it's much deeper than that and more articulate, but I have to tell myself, especially now that I'm growing a child, I have to give to my baby and I don't want my baby to suffer because of my own selfish wants and needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think becoming aware of the triggers is so important too because I mean, I can catch myself also being triggered and being like, I'm going to just start just being compulsive and um, realizing that like with everything, like it basically there's certain pain underneath these addictions to control or addictions to substance Mm -hmm. abuse or addiction to binge eating, whatever it is, food that there's pain underneath that and that's why we're doing it you know and it's the pain of if it's like oh we don't feel worthy or that we don't have you know enough dignity or whatever to be accepted like that we're gonna make ourselves but then when we feel like we've failed at that then the way we cope is like i don't know it's so self-destructive in both Mm -hmm. sides of it yeah but i think it's so important to become like you were saying lisa aware of those those moments and to not judge yourself you know to not say oh I'm so terrible for going there again but to be like you know it's just part of the process and that's why I was using the word journey like it's a journey that you're on in the Mm -hmm. sense that like you just have to have grace for yourself you know Olivia's looking at me because that's my word of the year. (laughs) I was telling her how annoyed I am that it's my word of the year because I have it to fall back on with everything it almost feels like an excuse like oh well that's that's because you're weak so like give yourself grace and so I really have to remind myself like why I have Mm -hmm. this word and what it really means yeah or look at it the other way say this is actually really freaking hard so I'm gonna give myself (laughs) credit yeah and so therefore I'm gonna have grace because this is actually really hard that's so validate the challenge that is the interesting with um having a mental disorder because it's so mental it's so not physical you're fighting yeah. with your brain <laughs> it feels like you're fighting with another half um and you're having to you're having to rewire your brain as to what is healthy mm-hmm. um because i know for myself i mean i'm pretty sure it stemmed much sooner than when I was 13 because I even remember being six maybe maybe five and hearing things like oh Lisa you're too skinny like as a joke and I'm like oh well like I I didn't do anything yeah what do I what do I do with that or like you're getting too fat Mm -hmm. like as a joke because I was so thin like as a little kid um and so I'm like, okay, well, like, what do what do I do with that? And so I think as I grew older, it was like, oh, well, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't blame anyone for saying that because they were joking around. I also don't think that you should 
joke around with kids like that, especially because you don't know yeah, what it could no, do. Definitely. Um, I am with you 100,000%. Yeah, I actually heard a family member say that to one of my little cousins the other day. And there's a point of me that's like, okay, maybe she understands that they're coming from a comedic place because she's tiny. But at the same time, she does ballet. Mm -hmm. And she's really young. And there's a part of me that is triggered just based off of my own growing up and being afraid. And so I I never want to overstep myself. But at the same time, I'm like, do I go up and encourage her in that? Which I still want to. I Mm -hmm. I haven't seen her since. but yeah, it's you just have to be so aware with the way that you talk to children and to kids. And even um, that's something with as, I mean, I'm really thankful with uh, having two boys. Um, but even now I'm, I'm trying to think of like, how can I make sure that I'm being body positive and mm-hmm. loving on myself so that they can see that. Right. And um, they might not understand it, but just trying to be positive for them too yeah how has that been for yourself because you have a daughter um has that been kind of scary for you yes (laughs) it has totally (laughs) yeah I'm super sensitive to anyone making comments um or even like using the word fat around her I I just don't like it I get a little feisty and I'm like please don't say that you know around her just because one I don't want her to use that word and call Mm -hmm. people that um but also it's so terrible how like looked down upon anyone who is quote-unquote overweight in our society is it's just like it's terrible that America is a bad word yeah exactly (laughs) but the fact that it that that's where our culture is at though I mean it is changing like Mm -hmm. I'll give it credit and I've been seeing like mannequins that are like you know the curvy mannequins and i'm like or yes just like normal, all normal. <laughs> just normal right yes yeah. no exactly but even um like even plus size mannequins like we need that mm-hmm. in the world because newsflash that's what human beings look like yeah. um and so i feel like the just the negativity that is around being overweight and body image in our culture and in american culture like that's something i just want to protect her from mm-hmm. it's important yeah I not in the same way at all but as I was thinking I like I grew up with somebody who was like just a very different body type than I was and they weren't fat by any means but I've always just been tall and lanky and I've never liked that about myself but they would always say like you know if I could have your body and then I would always be like but I like your body Mm -hmm. but then it would get to a point where they wouldn't want to hang out you know or they wouldn't want to be around me because it was so and that was interesting you were saying about you didn't want to hang out with people because you didn't you didn't have a lot of friends because you wanted to compare yourself and it's interesting because then on my side I'm like wait but I want to look like that because I'm tall and lanky and I look like a noodle when I when I walk around and it's like there's like you're saying about man like there's all different types of body and it's not like fat is a bad word or skinny is a bad word it's like we're all just different and when did it become a thing where only skinny is good right and only fat is exactly bad because everyone has their own like they're all in their own heads about mm-hmm. whatever about their bodies or you know certain body types which you know I talk about my hip hips <coughs> my love handles all the time <laughs> but like why can't that just be an accepted cultural thing it's normal and so it's yeah. sucky that I can't even accept it myself 
Yeah, there's, I mean, everyone has something, I think. Can I? When I've heard about eating disorders, it's like. Walking on eggshells? Well, kind of. Uh And then it's also like, so what do you do? Do you eat and then you immediately go to the bathroom and throw up? Or do you, when you don't eat, are you at the table and you pretend like you're moving your food around so your family thinks you're eating? Like, these are all the things I think about because it's like, what do you actually do? You so know? there are signs just in general with eating disorders such as brittle hair um, or rotting teeth if you mm-hmm. suffer with bulimia. Um, Which is one reason why a lot of people will opt not to puke. Yeah. Especially if they're in like a modeling or any kind of uh, image-based industry. There's a lot of inflammation yeah. too that happens around um, the the chin and neck area. <coughs> um because of the inflammation from all of the acid and digestion. Um, it's actually all of this stuff, even though I, I haven't struggled with bulimia, I became obsessive with what other eating disorders are and finding out more. And so it was really scary actually finding out more and even finding out that there's videos online of women um, yeah. who um, are binging on YouTube. Um only to talk about how they were going to um, purge later. And so I don't know why, but I would watch those videos. And I don't know if it was because I wanted to help them or if it was almost like I was a part of it. Um, It was a really weird thing, but it just became too much for me finding out um, what other people were doing because I mean my own eating disorder was enough to take Mm -hmm. um but even just finding out how people were dying from their eating disorders and just how bad such as um your stomach blowing up from taking in too much food Mm -hmm. um I have seen really bad pictures and that alone scared me away from certain of the eating disorders and so that's almost why I in my own brain picked the one I had (laughs) if if I really picked it because I could personalize it to myself and it was a way for other people not to see um such as I would purposely wait until I was around other people or um the only time I ate was if I went out to eat and I could see all of the nutritional facts Mm -hmm. um and I would know the menu beforehand because then I knew how much fat content or whatever it was inside of what it was that I was eating and I would be really afraid of going to restaurants that I had no idea what was there or what I was going to be eating um because I really wasn't like a salad person Mm -hmm. but um salad is actually another interesting one (laughs) where um I knew someone who said they didn't like salad dressing Mm. but really they liked a plain salad because they were just trying to get full off of exactly yeah Yeah, that's what's interesting is I only let myself eat salad (laughs) and I couldn't eat a salad after I had slowly stepped out of my eating disorder it took like 10 years for me to ever eat a salad again without feeling I don't know just like like a weird mix of emotions I mean it wasn't like it it triggered me yeah it had so much weight to it it. yeah there was like baggage there (laughs) now I love salad it's Mm -hmm. but I don't that's not like 
all I let myself eat. But um, I don't know. It was in diets. I cannot. I can't go on diets. Yeah. So that's another interesting thing is fasting in Christian culture. Yeah. Um, I can't do um, food fasts. Yeah. It messes um, with my mind to even too. try. To I, I will use it as an excuse for not eating um, and losing weight, like no matter what. Um, I don't know now cause it's been a long time since I've fasted cause I've been pregnant or breastfeeding for the last like 20 years. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. Um, but I, I definitely would, um, which was normal, at least for me, I would just do electronic fasts or different mm-hmm. other ways that yeah. were healthy for myself. Different disciplines. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Mara, for you, um, how long were you in, were you on your, I, I don't know how to Did talk. You have Did you have disorder? an eating disorder? <laughs> it's okay. I know um, it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to know like what language. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't want to say the wrong thing. it is different for everyone. Yeah. It really is. Um, and then did it get to a point where it got like way worse for you and then you came out of it or how was it for you? Yeah. And this kind of combines your last question too. Yeah. Um, it well the, the whole process or journey or struggle, however you want to put it, like it was, I want to say like probably 10 years mm-hmm. of it being something that was, I couldn't necessarily like break free from it for lack of a better word. Um, and, um, there were times when it would get worse. And I, I feel like those are the times where like, um, this isn't something we have, we've talked about yet, but how much emotional crap is going on with it. There's so much like shame and guilt and constant cycles in your head of just like basically beating yourself up. You kind of talked, you kind of touched on this when you were talking about staying up and like nonstop Mm -hmm. thinking about it or, um, feeling just yeah so much guilt and it's really so complicated but honestly controlling your food more is the only thing that will shut that up sometimes like I hate to say that because I wouldn't want to encourage anyone to do that but in those times it was like so loud in my brain this constant compulsion obsession of um the guilt that I had eaten anything or that I'd eaten the wrong thing or that I'd eaten too many things too much this or too many calories um in order to shut that off, it was about like doing my best to be as restricted as possible. And if I could restrict myself more, it's almost like it would bring peace of mind. Mm. So those are the times it would get worse for me. But um, the way out of it, it was like a touch and go kind of a thing where it was like I'd have periods where it wasn't as hard and then I'd have periods where all that would come back. But it wouldn't just be about like my response wouldn't be about restricting. It would just be kind of like plunging into like this deep depression and shame of feeling like this is still an issue and I literally am so incapable of Mm -hmm. getting out of it and I think I wish I had gotten help like professional help I just didn't realize at the time that I needed it and what was going on and Mm -hmm. I think it would have helped me so much but yeah yeah Yeah. so did somebody like come into your life to help you or did you naturally just kind of not phase out, but you know what I yeah. mean? Like there was a few, there is a combination of things. I think the starvation or like the extreme restriction side of my, uh, my eating disorder, um, stopped when my mom questioned me once and she had made my favorite meal 
is actually a heart attack about. You she, don't have to talk about it if you don't No, it's to. fine. She made my favorite food and I didn't I couldn't eat it. I couldn't eat it and I was crying because I couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. And she was angry because I think she didn't want to admit that something was going on. And I think it hurt her too. And like, I don't think our parents want to admit that, you know, like they may have done something to cause it or like may have failed us in some way. And knowing that I was involved with modeling and obviously as a 16 year old or a 13 year old, whatever, doing that, like you have to have your parents' permission and like encourage support to do it. Um, and so that kind of like woke me up a little bit into how extreme I had been. But um, then the shame cycle and like the compulsion <coughs> side of things like um, that went on and on. And I, it was like basically knowing that it wasn't normal just knowing like intuitively like this isn't normal but I can't not do it I don't know how to break free from it um and so that's that was the process of slowly sort of determining it but it wasn't until the end I think that I realized like oh this whole time I've had an eating disorder Mm -hmm. it wasn't just that time when I was being super restrictive it's like this whole thing is literally um a 10 year long thing of me not having a a normal order to eating mm-hmm. an out of order eating mm-hmm. experience is what i say how i would put it like yeah um and realizing that in order to get out of that i had to work on why i was doing it mm-hmm. and so like i said having that like addiction to wanting to prove my dignity or feeling just completely destroyed for not meeting that standard and then just like not caring about being self-destructive or like you were talking about with addiction like when people would um abuse abuse substances um understanding like the cause of why you're doing that underneath it and that's the only way you can change something because you can't just stop a behavior Mm -hmm. you have to go to the root of why you're acting yeah why it's causing you to act because then it's like habitual at that point too and it's like it's like a huge like it's like a routine it's like a part of your life it's just like breaking any habit or even starting to work out Mm -hmm. or not or whatever it is so i can't even imagine you're like breaking a part of who you are i say it's rewiring your brain because your brain is then wired to literally think a certain way and only that way and you don't know what normal is yeah i thought that i was normal and then my friend is telling me I think this way and I have an eating disorder and I'm like oh my gosh that's what it's called it's an eating disorder and mm-hmm. not everyone thinks that way right I thought it was how every girl thought it's mainly women not all women <coughs> and I just took it as that and that's it everyone deals with it better than me though that's how you felt yeah yeah it's a hard thing because Nobody wants to admit that they have a problem, like no matter what it is, no matter if it's like spending or shopping or, you know, eating. Mm-hmm. But like, especially with eating, like you were saying earlier, Lisa, it's like eating is a part of life and you have yeah. to do it. Yeah. And so it'd be so easy to not admit you have a quote unquote problem because you have to eat or you have to maybe not eat as much or everybody eats differently. And so I can't 
imagine because you have to get to that spot where you go I I have an issue and I have to fix it and that's so difficult to do that and that's also why it's hard even when I was saying well these are some telltale signs of if you think someone has an eating disorder because even then I'm worried that every time I eat ice cream, people are like watching over me. Yeah. Like, I know. Oh, what is she going to do? <laughs> yeah. And so then I never I'm like purposely people. not going to the bathroom for like yeah. an hour and a half <laughs> for a day. <laughs> I'm afraid that people are going to think I have an eating disorder. Um, and so that is the scariest thing, which we keep saying over and over again, every eating disorder looks differently. Mm-hmm. And if you know you have an eating disorder or you know that something is different with the way that you think about food, you will try to hide it and you'll be really good at it most yeah, likely you will be yes and to answer that question earlier too when you're asking like what does it look like with your family or like when you're sitting down to dinner they just i don't think, think most people also are sitting down to eat with their families anymore that's, that's true. i mean true. my family didn't sit down together for dinner and that's just the no, way it was in my house yeah and i'm true. not saying that as a negative thing it's just the way my family did it and so they didn't really know. Like, we were all just eating wherever. Mm-hmm. So they didn't necessarily know. They called my sister one time, woke up, and it was like super <coughs> early in the morning. And I had been up all night obsessing and freaking out about something I'd eaten or something. And the only way to shut that off was to get up and like work out. And so I that literally just brought me back to yeah. midnight workouts yeah yeah so I was up and it was like probably like five in the morning I don't know I just had to do it because otherwise I was gonna go crazy and I was in my room working out and she got up and she went to the bathroom and she looked at me and she's like you're such a weirdo like why are you working out right and now I wish that was all that it was and I mean what's really like frustrating about that is like that's kind of the dynamic that we had mm-hmm. which is like she didn't quote unquote get me and whatever so that sort of played into it too was like Mm -hmm. not feeling accepted by my family but um not that they did it intentionally but um i would say that when it came to my eating disorder i was actually really thankful to find out it was an eating disorder because i felt like in my own brain i thought i was a four for a really long time and this was actually part of it i was just always in my own brain and i was always just down and like a really unhealthy four. I mm-hmm. thought I was a really unhealthy four. Um, Enneagram talk. If anyone doesn't know, Enneagram four. I was also living in Portland and probably had depression the whole time I lived there. So that probably had to deal with it a lot too. Um, but I finally felt like I had an answer as to why I felt so badly about myself. And so I professionally got help. Um, I was in college when I had found out about my eating disorder and I started seeing a counselor right away. They um, weren't, um, it was a counselor at my Bible college and so they they weren't um, specialized in eating disorders themselves, which I really wish I could have afforded. Mm-hmm. Um, technically I could have if my parents paid for it, but I didn't want to tell my parents I was going to counseling because a they mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. believe in counseling at the time different now generation <laughs> and b um i think that this was when they knew about my eating disorder and didn't understand it and so they didn't understand that i needed help for it especially because i looked normal mm-hmm. um and so then i had 
actually found a way to just like sneak money out of my mom's wallet every so often, <laughs> um, aka steal. Um, and there I was a borrow? therapist I no. found. Um, uh, my one of my mentors through church had suggested me to her, but once it got into family family dynamics and talking, I just knew I couldn't do it because. Mm. I, I have a feeling that it's so much more deep-rooted as far as why I have had my eating disorder. And I'm not at all blaming anyone. Right. I'm just saying, if we're going to talk about family dynamics, yeah. we're going to talk about my childhood. Everyone's and I don't know what's in my childhood. Slash, there's a lot of things yeah. that absolutely no one knows except for my husband that Mm -hmm. has happened to me which I'm still not okay with sharing and I have a big feeling it is the reason it could have affected me and that's why I have control issues Mm -hmm. um because I'm constantly trying to control my environment please stop figuring out what it is (laughs) (laughs) um and I'm okay with sharing that but as far as what it was um you know that itself like there's always something going on in your life and there's mm-hmm. a lot of things you didn't even know happened mm-hmm. or yeah, um, what is really yeah. going on. And so I think that is why if you can get help, that is definitely the biggest way. I mean, I'm so thankful that I I have a, a friend who helped me out of it and who was my accountability partner mm-hmm. and like in the positive way because right. we talked about right. the negative yeah, way. Yeah, in a good way, yeah. A human um, way. But if you don't have that and there is no one you can trust, absolutely please get help and talk to your doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which leads me just a couple more questions. But I, as far as um, if you suspect somebody has an eating disorder or you know and they just don't know that you know is it one of those things like should you say something should you not because I know for you like you said your mom said something and like even though that was so hard for you that's kind of what maybe helped you come out of it but is that a good thing for you or was that a negative thing and it's like how do you navigate that to help the people in your lives yeah I feel like people I've I've come encountered with who have eating disorders it really depends on where they're at Mm -hmm. i've seen people and i've said like maybe i might have seen like mutual friend um or like a girl who maybe i'm not super close with but i'm close with one of her close friends Mm -hmm. um for example and i'm like okay i can definitely tell that she is struggling with eating disorder and if i I can't, I don't necessarily know like how to bring it up with them. I might mention it to like a close friend. Right. Um, to just, I don't know, ask, but they will a lot of times probably deny it yeah. at first. Um, with like any addiction. Yeah. And it, it obviously depends on how extreme it is and how extreme the need to do it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, obviously there's not like a need to do it, but like for them, it feels like they need to, totally. to do that. And, um, and so... It's really about, I think, just like being there for them, yeah, on the journey. Because I think with what Lisa was just saying, like, in order to turn in on yourself and start asking questions about like why you're doing it, you need to feel loved Mm -hmm. and you need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a place to (coughs) do that, you're not gonna be able to look in on yourself. And for me, that was um, the Lord coming to know Jesus because I wasn't a Christian, um, didn't grow up in a Christian home, and my eating disorder is a huge part of my 
testimony in that way or story. Um, and so it was experiencing the love of God, which I know for some that might sound really abstract or even like cheesy because it did for me at the time as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it was definitely that experience that allowed me to turn in on myself and become more self-aware as to like what was going on and uh, look at it without judgment. Right. Because if I'm looking at it with judgment, then it just triggers the whole cycle again because right. I hate myself mm-hmm. in this in that situation. <laughs> the shame causes you to be like, causes self-hatred or whatever but when it's when it's coming from a place of like okay this is just matter of fact going on in me why you know you need to be able to have a place to like go back when you you know you're touching that it's just really painful and um to have a close friend or like a close person to talk to about it or even a therapist or yeah yeah um to know that you're not alone yeah and just i think if you know someone who has an eating disorder just to be there for them and and i don't know feel it out i mean you probably should look up like maybe some professional suggestions because i don't know but um there are there are right and wrong things to say yeah you have to be really careful um because they might push you away completely Mm -hmm. and not to take that personally too yeah it's it's it to each their own journey um so what what I would say is I don't know. I don't know what you say to someone you suspect is having an eating disorder. Um, the only thing I, I can say is encouraging anyone and everyone who has struggled with an eating disorder. Um, I think being real and vulnerable with the people around you so that they they know what you've been through, even if it's kind of awkwardly putting it out there in an appropriate way still um but if there is a way it can come up so that you yourself can be a trustworthy source for someone else who is struggling with an eating disorder so that because trust is so huge exactly what you just said you have to feel loved and you have to feel comfort because like what I was told, like, what do you mean you have an eating disorder? Right. Or, yeah, you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand where those people were coming from, and so I'm not angry with them. Um, and I wasn't angry with them. I just knew, okay, I, I know you won't get it. And what you are saying is that you don't understand it, and you would rather live in the denial that I still don't have it. Um, which is unfortunately the case when you're uncomfortable with something. Yeah. Um, so with that understanding, I knew that there were people out there somewhere, and this was all in the midst of also being suicidal and having mm. suicidal thoughts, Yeah. Um, which is another really, really big factor in mental disorders because I was constantly just hating myself. Yeah. Um, so I would say, although it's really difficult and it's hard, the reason that I share um, my story is so that other people can be encouraged because I know it's so much more common than I want it to be. Right. Um, and unfortunately, people have had it more difficult than me, which I can't even imagine. Um, but I share it because I know that anything that lies in the shadows is only going to get worse for myself yeah and um having it not be in the light is only going to be worse for other people too and so for you out there 
other people understand and although it might look a little different from my story or Mara's story we get it and there Mm -hmm. are more people out there who understand yeah and and the whole journey is a spectrum you might not be ready to start looking in on yourself but I'd ask maybe why like Mm -hmm. why can't you take that step and figure out maybe if there's something you can do to get to that point to where you can look in and um, I know for me, journaling was a huge help. I started realizing a lot of triggers for myself when I started journaling because I would journal after every episode. That's so interesting. Me too. Yeah. And it was like looking back on those patterns and being like, okay, whoa. So this thought triggered me to go do that. And that helped me to know that when that came into my mind, it didn't have to control me anymore. Mm-hmm. I could say no to mm-hmm. it basically. And so just... remember that it's a process and captivate those thoughts for sure yeah that's so huge write them down (laughs) and I wish I had those journal entries still because I I actually had to throw in my journals because I would measure myself too many calorie counts (laughs) yep it's like you know your whole day to day and that's actually why I still don't journal because I don't know how to do it in a healthy normal way I end up just praying now mm-hmm. it's just like my prayer to God and yeah yeah I had it I at one point had to talk out loud to my hands mm. it was really weird <laughs> no that's I had to say okay you don't have to be controlled by that anymore yeah mm. that's yeah. really good when yeah. it came to like binge eating or like grab going to comfort food mm-hmm. um when I was triggered by thoughts of basically yeah self-hatred yeah yeah wow. which sound like I, I laugh that off but it's not funny. Mm-hmm. It was a real it's issue. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like actually like, <laughs> like an in a lifelong process. Yeah. 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 Um. So the last question we ask, which I realize we never prep, prep our guests. Um, so if you can come up with something off the top of your yeah. head, um, we like to ask our guests what the silver lining of their journey is. Um, obviously, uh, or your life. Yeah. Obviously, we've been talking about a lot of like a really hard things. But if there's mm-hmm. anything that good quote unquote good has come from that can you think of anything yes I well like I kind of touched on I think my relationship with the Lord was a huge one Mm -hmm. because it was definitely a driving a driving factor Mm -hmm. um just knowing that I was completely helpless in that addiction or that problem with self-worth um and that knowing that like becoming aware of that is what allowed me I think to open my heart to the idea of what yeah of what that was and I and I had met a girl who had um led me through all that and like had invited me into her family and her church and that's how I ended up um experiencing that experiencing the love of God but also I think that in that I've learned that we have dignity just for being alive Mm -hmm. um like we don't have to do anything in order to have worth other than exist Mm. and it's almost like so controversial to say that because of how Mm -hmm. much comes against that lot like how many lies come against that in every area of our life Mm -hmm. and in everything like in culture and worldviews and all that and um to realize that like our identity is birthed from our dignity so so knowing that I have dignity and worth just by being a person 
is what fuels my identity, not the other way around. So mm-hmm. I don't have to try to prove my dig- my dignity to have an identity, if that makes sense. Totally. And for yeah. me, like that was the root. And it still is. Like I still deal with that in other areas of just like trying to prove, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm worthy or whatever. And just realizing like, no, I can rest mm-hmm. and I can know that I don't have to do anything in order to know that I'm like worthy of love. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. So good. Mm-hmm. Well, thank uh-huh. you for being so vulnerable. Yeah, and yeah. Thank you so much. That whole time. Mm-hmm. Do you have... Can you share your silver lining? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I usually do. Okay. We do it at the beginning of the episode. Oh, so when oh we, like when your we do recent it, one. Yeah, so like our guest shares it at the end. Oh, okay. Then. You don't have, <laughs> do you have one from your eating disorder specifically? Can I ask you that? Yeah. <laughs> I think that my silver lining with my eating disorder is actually really similar, which is it helped me understand that I had no self-worth mm-hmm. and that I didn't understand that life was worth living yeah despite how I looked um because that's what a lot of (coughs) everything that I depended on through literally 24 7 I was thinking about myself and I was being completely selfish for myself um and because that's all I I could think about um when I finally found out my eating disorder I say there was freedom in that because I finally understood that I didn't have to think like that all of the time and then I could finally give myself to others Mm -hmm. and use that for others and to help Mm -hmm. others too that's awesome I feel like I need to say one more thing yes (laughs) um I usually don't I mean it's it's clear that we're all Christians here but I usually Uh don't just go into that as Mm -hmm. much um because you know we don't know who's listening but right uh with you guys talking and saying there's so much like shame and embarrassment Mm -hmm. it's um I think it's just so awesome that there's nothing too shameful for like the love of God yeah and I just feel like led to say that for anybody who's listening like nobody's done too much to not have like Mm -hmm. that grace of God on them so that is really good yeah anyway yeah thanks guys well shakers thank you so much for listening we really hope you enjoyed today's show um if you really resonated with anything um that we talked about today or dealing with similar things that mara and lisa talked about like i said before i know that they are open books and would love to be able to talk to you guys and just be a resource for you um if you aren't yet if you could follow us on the Salt and Pepper Podcast on Instagram, you can also join our Facebook group, the Salt and Pepper Podcast Insiders. Um, and if you haven't, if you could subscribe, rate, and review, that would be awesome. It just takes a few seconds. Um, it really helps us out, and it also helps us get get awesome guests like Mara on the show. So we will see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday on the saltandpepperpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday.